This podcast is sponsored by GoGo, the leader in in-flight connectivity and wireless entertainment. Our superior technologies, best-in-class service, and global reach help planes fly smarter. Our partners perform better, and their passengers travel happier. Learn more at gogoair.com forward slash airline. The airline industry never fails to fascinate us. Last week, we spent a portion of the show talking about how JetBlue was a good fit for merging with Virgin America. Seven days later, Virgin has eloped with Alaska Airlines, and JetBlue, no doubt, is passing around the cheap scotch with Jesse's girl playing in the hallways of its headquarters. You know, I wish I had Alaska's girl. Where can I find an airline like that? Rick Springfield, well done. How about... Joe Jackson. Is she really going out with him? Is she really gonna take him home tonight? Mm, good one, yeah. Or maybe the cars. She's my best friend's airline. She used to be mine. My best All right. Friend. Way to start the show yeah. on a new low. If anybody's still <laughs> listening, I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly, and joining me is the melodious Seth Kaplan, Managing <laughs> Partner of Airline Weekly. We're going to talk about the Virgin America Alaska Airlines tie-up. Also, what does it mean for JetBlue and United? We'll check in on Goal, who's struggling along with the rest of Brazil. And one airline that's not struggling is Cebu Pacific. All that and more on this week's Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. Seth, usually when you look at potential airline mergers, the first thing you do is compare route maps and you look for complementary hubs and so forth. But with Virgin America and Alaska Airlines, they're all crowded on one side of the country. Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, all would be at least focus cities for the new airline. Is this stacking of hubs all that unconventional? And is it a problem? I don't think so. I mean, if you look around the world, you know, there were people who said that about Air France, KLM, with you know, Paris and Amsterdam, let's say, you know, an airline with two global hubs and they're in global terms anyway, kind of right next to each other. And that worked out fine. I mean, obviously, more recently, they've had uh, other kinds of problems with labor issues and so forth, but a very successful merger. And and, and so in this case, yeah, you know, what, what, what Alaska rather clearly wants to do is become the dominant airline uh, in, in, in an important region of the country. I mean, I mean, look, it, Take an airline like Southwest. Uh, you know, some people, if they're not paying close attention, might say, "Oh, South Southwest is, is an airline that doesn't have hubs." Chicago Midway, with I don't know, 200 flights a day, isn't a hub. Uh, you know, half the people going through there are connecting, and I don't know what a hub is. Southwest has dozens of what would otherwise qualify as hubs, whatever you want to call them. So, uh, so, so yeah, ha having those four cities up and down the West Coast, you know, four cities with huge local markets, you know, and, and that's the difference too. A lot of, a lot of local demand because of the geography. You're not going to have as many connections as you'd have, let's say, at a mid-continent hub. Yeah, not, uh, not a problem. What's the most valuable asset in this would-be purchase? Alaska is getting real estate at LaGuardia, Reagan National, San Francisco, and LAX. Yes, 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 and yes. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, I mean, look, you mentioned National, Reagan National. I mean, there you now will have one airline that is uh, absolutely a powerhouse in terms of you know the, the 
slot pairs that are, you know with the perimeter exemption to fly beyond the usual perimeter there to, to the west coast gosh i think it's it'll, the, the combined airline will have five slot pairs if i'm counting correctly nobody else will have more than two i think you know you, you united has one american has has to and yeah so to all of those cities that you mentioned uh this merged alaska airlines with virgin america will have one or i think one case two of daily flights uh, to those cities so yeah you know it, it, there you go um that's that's uh that's a really nice position you know an airline that is not all that huge particularly at the east coast airports all of a sudden you put these two together and and they have a meaningful uh, presence there, which, by the way, Jason, you know, is is part of what makes uh, this thing work. Even at some other stations, uh, it's it's the S curve effect. It's you know, Scott Kirby talked about it back when uh, uh, when American was merging with U.S. Airways. All these places where you know the two airlines independently weren't all that relevant. You put them together, and they're a big player. And you have a few of those uh, a few of those markets as well. But you know, certainly. That footprint in in a place like San Francisco, uh, you know, Alaska finally being able to challenge United head on uh, is, is something that it that it that clearly interests it and and just more broadly, just the diversification. You know, it's not any one of those things. It's the fact that an airline, you know, for as well as it has withstood everything that Delta is throwing at it in Seattle still does have a lot of eggs in, in one basket in the Pacific Northwest. And now uh, some broader exposure, certainly very concentrated still, generally speaking, in the West, but not so much uh, in, in just a few markets. Looking at San Francisco, should United be at all nervous that their competitor there is now one of the best, well, will be one of the best uh, management teams in the industry? Or is having a smarter competitor actually a good thing? Yeah, it can be good. We've seen that uh, over the years where uh, airlines that have complained about, you know, I mean, you know, we've, we've mentioned it in other contexts on this podcast, uh, the well-known well quote by Gordon Bethune, you know, you're, you're only as good as your dumbest competitor. Airtran, for example, I, I remember them very publicly sort of welcoming Delta's transformation in, in into a shrewder competitor, you know, because they felt that there was a lot of you know, irrational uh, capacity and, and you know, all kinds of what they saw of silly initiatives going on. And uh, as Delta improved, you know, I mean, one's respected became a very shrewd competitor. But on the other hand, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it was actually a, in, in some senses, a, a better operating environment if you were a competitor who likewise saw yourself as rational. So, you know, Virgin America is, is an airline that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily that there's that there's anything at this moment that the current airline you know could have done to to transform itself it, it's just kind of a business without a real good reason to exist in, in in a lot of respect but what that does is you you get some of this excess capacity i mean you you know because of their limitations a lot of what they go, do is going to be of course from san francisco and when they have this stream of 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 incoming aircraft coming they have to send them places uh you know it's okay well what's next from san francisco oh i don't know denver you know never mind that there are you know, four or five airlines already competing in that market and so forth. Whereas Alaska Airlines uh, is just as as a much bigger airline. I mean, never mind the fact that it's also an extraordinarily well-run one, but just as a bigger airline is going to have more flexibility uh, to do other things with with its with its assets, namely its aircraft. And 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 uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know that United's going to be at all sorry to see. First of all, one one less competitor in the marketplace, broadly speaking. Uh, and, and a uh, and, and a very shrewd competitor at that. 
We talked in this week's cover story about how Alaska could have been motivated to buy Virgin as an effort to keep JetBlue off its turf. In other words, there's a downside to not buying for Alaska. Can the same be said for JetBlue? Well, for JetBlue, uh, the 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 upside to not buying is is that it's uh, it, it's saving a lot of money. I mean, you know, rather clearly what happened there is is they just got into a bidding war, and Alaska with with the better balance sheet, uh, what was just, you know, just better position to, to stomach this. And at that, they're, they're paying a lot for, for, for the least profitable airline in America. But, 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 uh, it's just a lower risk for them than it would have been for JetBlue in financial terms. But, but to your, to your point, the, the answer is no. Uh, you know, this is not JetBlue, not getting Virgin America is not as big a problem for JetBlue as JetBlue getting Virgin America would have been a problem for Alaska. And, and, and what I mean is JetBlue is no worse off today than it was a week ago. Uh, it still has its same, well, I mentioned the balance sheet issue, you know, not, not the best in the industry, it's improved in recent years, still has its, you know, it, it, it's decent profitability in, in recent years. It's done a lot of things right. Uh, still has the same strategic vulnerabilities that it would have liked to address by broadening its exposure, you know, by which I mean, you know, look, things are rather good up and down the East Coast into the Caribbean and so forth right now in the markets are JetBlue strong. But if that turns south, it would have liked to have been able to send its aircraft somewhere else. Uh, it would have gained that uh, with, with the merger. It, it hasn't gained that, but but it's kind of no worse off, broadly speaking, at least, whereas Alaska would have been worse off if all of a sudden, it, you know, this 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 competitor that, as I said last week, and in a lot of ways, sort of its mirror image on, on the other coast, albeit, you know, JetBlue, a much less profitable airline, but yeah, generally speaking, kind of a similar airline to Alaska in some ways, um, but all of a sudden JetBlue would have gotten a lot bigger and had this big presence on the West Coast for Alaska to face. Uh, yeah, it's it, uh, not buying a, a Virgin America would have been a bigger problem for Alaska than it, than it would have been for JetBlue. And it would have been a bigger financial risk for JetBlue. And in the end, that is what seems to have carried the day for, for Alaska, that it was willing to pay more and, and probably rationally so uh, simply because it was it, it has the wherewithal to pay more and because losing it would have been a bigger threat than it would have been to JetBlue. What's the mainstream media getting wrong about this story? And if they're not getting anything wrong, what are they missing? One thing is Richard Branson was out there saying how sad he is about this. Uh, the, the, oh, making all that money. <laughs> those are crocodile tears. Um, you know, once again, Richard Branson uh, gets to sell an airline for a lot more than it's worth. I mean, I guess you could say technically, well, it must be worth this if Alaska is paying for it. But, you know, but it wasn't worth this in the marketplace without, uh, you know, without Alaska doing this. You know, it's, it's worth this much to Alaska for all the reasons we, we, we just talked about. But uh, so, so you know, I, I think maybe that's an, an underappreciated point, uh, you know, is, is that, uh, you know, just as he did when he sold half of Virgin Atlantic to Singapore Airlines for a billion dollars, uh, you know, which is unloaded a decade later to Delta for, you know, for pennies on the dollar. Uh, you know, here he is managing to sell uh, an airline. He's selling high and, you know, give give Virgin's owners credit. Uh, you know, they got out in front of this thing. You know, they understand that they are the least profitable airline by most measures in America among you know, notable airlines. They understand that although in this environment, that still leaves you rather profitable, that at another moment in time, you know, being the last profitable, the least profitable airline in America, uh, you know, could you leave could leave you in bankruptcy. And, you know, when you get to sell an airline like that for billions of dollars, 
uh, you know, it, it's to their credit that they're that they're being proactive. And it's so if, if there's anything that some people I think are missing, it's it's uh, the fact that yeah, Brad, Branson is is doing fine. Is there any chance the Virgin America brand will stay? Ah, I kind of doubt it. You know, they Alaska sort of said vaguely that they're going to look for ways to keep it around. Uh, for one thing, uh, the way this generally works is that if, if you are any airline called Virgin anything, you're paying a licensing fee to the Virgin Group. So, you know, first of all, Alaska said that the Alaska brand is definitely staying. So in other words, it's not as if there's there's a possibility that they're going to choose Virgin over Alaska. And in most senses, why would you? Alaska itself is, is a strong brand. I mean, a, a sort of very regional specific brand, which which is, you know, problematic in some ways when you're trying to sell airline tickets in, you know, Fort Lauderdale, you know, on an airline that, that, you know, people there haven't heard of maybe, but, um, but anyway, it's, 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 it's a well-regarded brand. Um, so if they're going to keep that and if they're facing, you know, probably, uh, you know, having to pay some kind of licensing fees to keep the Virgin name, I mean, in the end, uh, you know, do I really see it realistically staying around? Eh, probably not, but, but we'll see. And, and in any case, pro- probably, uh, not the not the biggest question uh, they face. There's some other interesting ones, but that that one, uh, you know, one way or another, won't, won't have a lot of strategic importance, even if some sentimental importance to uh, to to people who legitimately uh, really like Virgin America. Uh, how does this deal compare to past mergers? And one I'm thinking of in particular is Southwest and AirTran. Yeah, good question, good example, uh, because that might be the best example. In a bad way. If you're looking for reasons to be to be pessimistic here, look, every one of these mergers, uh, starting, yeah, and you and you might say that sort of the modern era of mergers started with uh, America West U.S. Airways, followed by uh, Delta Northwest, United Continental, uh, Southwest Airtran, as you said, uh, and and. Uh, and, and now this, uh, obviously, American U.S. Airways, right, right, uh, right before this is the biggest of all. So, you know, every one of them was good for the industry. It's just a more rational industry. Airlines are all, of course, reporting record profits now. But the lesson of airline mergers is that they're usually good for the industry. Um, They're only sometimes good for the airlines actually merging. Now, most of those were good. Uh, to, uh, you know, for for the airlines themselves, you know, I mean, look, Delta Northwest, obviously a, a home run for those airlines. America West, U.S. Airways, although messier in a lot of respects, a home run too because that saved two companies. Uh, U.S. Airways, I mean, would have liquidated without that. America West might have done so a year later. Uh, American U.S. Airways, so far, so good. You know, very successful. United Continental, maybe less so, but hard to say that they would have been better off not merging. Southwest AirTran is one where, uh, you know, Southwest by buying AirTran. Uh, and taking out the the most significant lowest cost carrier did a huge favor to the industry. Uh, so the Southwest Air, AirTran merger was phenomenal for Delta, most of all. And, and Delta didn't even have to pay for it. Um, you know, whereas Southwest, um, look, they were glad also to no longer have to compete against AirTran. Uh, you know, they were close competitors in places like Baltimore, Washington, or Orlando. Milwaukee and elsewhere, but they had to pay for it. You know, they paid a lot of money for an airline that they rather quickly decided they weren't interested in two thirds of the fleet. Uh, they rather quickly decided they were less interested in uh, in Atlanta than they thought they had been. Uh, you know, that was part of it, buying their way into Atlanta. Uh, you know, they got rid very quickly of a lot of things that customers liked about the airline, you know, assigned seating and XM radio and the business class product and all that stuff. And so, you know, a, a couple of years down the road, you sort of say, well, well what, what did they really get for, for what they paid for AirTran? Now, Southwest too, uh, you know, on the other hand, and this is 
the optimistic perspective, Southwest, like Alaska today, had the wherewithal to do it. Uh, you know, could do that at, 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 at very, very low risk in a way other airlines couldn't have done. And that's true of Alaska, too, here. And Southwest is doing fine today, just like, you know, uh, you know there's every reason to think Alaska also will be doing fine. But um, but if you had to pick one of the big mergers um, that was of, of more questionable benefit to the airline that was actually doing the deal, to, to, to the acquiring airline, it would probably be Southwest AirTran. And this one, too, is one where the rest of the industry uh, will will you know be happy to see Virgin America going away because it was just kind of that, as I said before, kind of this extra airline that didn't have very many good ideas and just sort of had to you know, put airplanes down in places because they didn't know what else to do with them. That resulted sometimes in very low fares. You know, they won't be sorry to see it go away. You know, it'll probably end up being a good deal for Alaska, too. But it's the one that has to pay for this and uh, and and do the dirty work of, of integrating the airline. You know, that's that's never simple. Do you think they're overpaying? Well, again, that that you know, sort of compared to what I mean, in the simplest terms of all. Well, I, I you know, if, if investors a week earlier thought the airline was worth, you know, barely half of what Alaska's paying for it, uh, I guess you could say, well, yeah. But but then the question is, right, what does it do? For Alaska, and uh, they look, they're you know they're no fools. I mean they they they, uh, they understand uh, you know not just keeping it out of out of JetBlue's hands, but that it 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 it, it get, does diversify their exposure, and that matters. You know just 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 um being bigger, you know having a more powerful loyalty program and everything that applies when you're doing your you know your 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 co-branded credit card deals and the rest of it. Um, you know, they, they, they understand what this is worth. You know, the other thing, too, I mean, don't forget, Jason, they were sitting on a mountain of cash. And, and that might sound like a good problem to have it. I mean, it is, uh, you know, but but, um, you know, on the other hand, that that is that's cash that's just not doing anything productive, uh, you, you know, in an environment where you have, you know, where interest rates are you know, near zero. And so, so, you know, in, in inflation adjusted terms, you're, I mean, you're losing money on your, on your savings, uh, which is why you see you know, companies all over corporate America, especially doing share buybacks and, and, uh, you know, raising dividends and so forth. So, um, you know, so, so, so part of it is simply that the opportunity cost for them was relatively low because, you know, what else were you going to do with the money? That doesn't mean that you should do something stupid with the money. Um, but I don't know if this is stupid. You know, are, are, are they, are they, you know, paying more than they would have liked to have paid for it? Probably so. Good for JetBlue for, for, for keeping the bidding going up to a point where, you know, not only is JetBlue happy, you know, to some degree, like the rest of the industry to see a competitor go away, but they also have to some degree, weakened the balance sheet of one of the strongest airlines in the world. Now, like I said, Alaska's going to be fine uh, in all probability, but there's there's some some risk involved there. Nevertheless, uh, you know, if you ask me to bet, you know, whether this is going to work out well, uh, I, I I I would. I would have to bet yes. Uh, you know, they, they betting against Alaska it has it, it, over the past decade or so has has not generally be a, generally been a winning bet, even with everything they've faced. You know, from from Delta, for, you know, Spirit now showing up in Seattle and the rest of it, they've uh, they've managed everything fine and every reason to expect that this too will uh, will go well. Although no question, they they paid rather dearly for it. We mentioned in our cover story this week that Alaska could do a lot to fix some of Virgin America's problems. One example we gave is the situation in Dallas. Do you have any other examples? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, the early piece of good news is that problems are just smaller problems in the context of a much bigger airline. You know, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do in Dallas. 
But I know this, you know, even if they did nothing, uh, Dallas is just not nearly the problem for, for Alaska Airlines for an $8 billion company that, uh, that it's been for a $1.5 billion Virgin America. You know, so, so, so right there, you know, that's, that's a win. You know, things that were going wrong at, at Virgin America just don't matter as much anymore. Uh, although, I mean, you can bet they're going to they're gonna look to fix those things. Yeah, you know, what, one thing that's just been very suboptimal about Virgin America is they've got this, this uniform product. Well, what, what once was state-of-the-art premium cabin, I mean, it's now kind of this dated product in an era of lie-flat transcontinental product. You know, they're the only airline uh, in the transcon market that doesn't have a, a, a lie flat product among, among the big competitors. So they're flying this product that is is sort of substandard uh, relative to the very best products in the market on transcontinental. And yet they're, you're, they're vastly over delivering a uh, uh, short haul. I mean, no, you know, nobody's going to really pay what, what, what it properly compensate them, let's say, for, for providing that rather nice product on, uh, you know, hour and two hour, uh, you know, intra-California or, you know, up and down the West Coast flight. I, I, Alaska is not going to let that continue for long term. They have to decide what they want to do. You know, do, do they do they want a subfleet for Transcon, at least in the big, you know, the SFO and LAX to, to uh, you know, New York, Boston and so forth, Washington markets? Or, you know, or do they just concede the top end of their market and just go with their current business class, you know, their short haul business class products? It's very nice, but, you know, nobody would mistake it for anything close to lie flat or even angled flat uh, and just let everybody else fight for that. But I, I, I could guarantee you what they're not going to be doing is 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 having uh, this, you know, this sort of over delivered, uh, you know, nearly lie flat real estate kind of product, you know, flying uh, from from, you know, Vancouver to Portland or something like that. Do you have any guess as to how regulatory approval will go? Airlines are making a lot of money in the U.S. right now. There's been a lot of consolidation already. Could the U.S. government say enough's enough? I mean, I suppose it could. You know, it's hard to by 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 sort of any logical standard. It's 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 hard to imagine uh, this one eliciting a lot of opposition. I mean, first of all, Virgin America. You know, even though it's it's its brand sort of outpunches its weight, uh, you know, because of its presence in all the biggest markets. Uh, you know, this is what, less than 2% of the industry that airline represents. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an important competitor in, in, in transcontinental markets, but it doesn't compete against Alaska in those markets. So, so you don't have any, any competition going away. But by and large, you know, it's, it's an airline that could rightly argue that, look, we had to do this because if, if we don't do this, you know, at another moment in time, we would be vulnerable. And this is the, you know, this is the much more orderly way to take care of this airline than all of a sudden you're know, ending up in, in, in a much more precarious situation where, you know, in bankruptcy where you're, you know, hosing uh, suppliers and laying off employees and, and the rest of it. Um, and it would be correct to argue that Office Depot is kind of making the same argument in its merger with Staples. But as we know, the government's uh, you know, very much opposed to that one. So, you know, it, it's hard to say. It, there is there is a climate now in the country, no question, where, um, you know, the, there's, there's some just sort of broad opposition to consolidation. People have just sort of said, yeah, enough is enough. Uh, just kind of corporate America is consolidated enough. You know, and so if that carries the day, I suppose anything's possible. But in terms of this merger per se on its merits, Hard to see it. Uh, very little uh, nonstop network overlap. You know, you've got a few routes like, let's say, Los Angeles, Seattle, where they both compete. But I mean, five airlines are in that market. <laughs> you know, so so it's not like you know you're you're just creating all these monopoly uh, markets everywhere. Obviously, competing for a little of the same connecting traffic. But again, we're talking about airlines that don't handle 
all that much connecting traffic. So there too, you know, even less of an issue than when, you know, than any of those, uh, those other mergers we mentioned where in terms of O and D's, you know, two airlines where, yeah, maybe not a lot of nonstop overlap, but con- competing for a lot of the same connecting passengers in, oh, I don't know, Charlotte and Dallas, you know, in, in the case of U.S. Aries and American, le- less of that here too. So uh, hard to imagine, but not impossible. All right. From there, we're going to head south, both literally and figuratively, as Goal announced its fourth quarter earnings. We knew this was going to be bad as the Brazilian economy is going through a catastrophic recession. But still, the numbers make your eyes water. Net losses were $294 million in the quarter and $1.3 billion for the year. Yeah, for, for an airline that's that's you know not huge. Uh, I mean, th- those numbers would be bad for, for anybody, you know, even in the years where you've seen your... Uh, Air France lose a billion dollars. You know, it's that's uh, highly problematic, and and for a mostly short haul low cost carrier, just uh, just wow. Goal has said that the future is ripe for consolidation. What do you imagine that would look like? Well, uh, I mean, it doesn't leave too much to the imagination, only because we're talking about a country where, uh, yeah, you basically have you know, four airlines at this point: Latam, you know, formerly Tom, of course. Goal itself, Azul, and Avianca Brazil, and so uh, you know it, it could look like anything. When 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 Azul merged with Trip, for example, that that was maybe a little bit more obvious of a of a fit because there were two airlines that were kind of broadly speaking. Uh, doing the same thing. Goal, for that matter, merged with Webjet. You know, also you know, kind of a 737 operator doing some of the same things that the Goal does. You know, each of these airlines kind of has its own distinct model. But you know, I mean, look, it's the whole fleet commonality thing and all that. You know, we've seen more and more airlines, you know, just kind of not caring as much about that as long as they have a certain amount of scale. You know, you don't want to buy an airline that has a, you know. I don't know, a half dozen of something that you don't know what to do with. But, it, but you know, these airlines at this point are all rather large. The problem is that nobody really has the financial wherewithal on their own probably to 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 uh, to do a deal. Uh, so, you know, you, you might need some kind of external financing or who knows what. Probably wouldn't see Latam and Gold merging or, you know, Gold becoming a part of the Brazilian part of Latam. I don't think, uh, you know, that would elicit some... A lot, I would imagine a lot of regulatory opposition, but you know, if Gold's argument is look, it's either out of go out of business. I mean, who who, who knows? Uh, you know, Avianca Brazil as the smallest, if anything, would be just kind of the the easiest one to, from a regulatory standpoint, to get through. You know, for anybody else to to buy that. You know, they've shown no real inclination to do that. If anything, there's there's talk that uh, they perhaps could become a part. Uh, truly a part of Avianca itself. It's an airline that, that uses the Avianca brand, but technically, although it has some of the same ownership, technically a, a, a separate company that that licenses the brand. Okay, that brings us to this week's existential question. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Seth, who'd you rather be? Goal uh, with billions in losses or Kenya Airways, who announced last week that it's laying off 600 workers as it goes through restructuring? Why? Yeah, as soon as you say, who would you rather be? I know I'm always... It, it, <laughs> It's always going to be like pick your poison, right? Why don't why don't why I'm, don't, a, why? I'm a I'm a twisted individual. <laughs> why isn't it ever? Who would you rather be? You know, uh, I don't know, American or Delta? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, British Airways or yeah, no, um, uh, yeah, probably probably if if it makes it through all of this, which it most likely will, you know, probably goal. I mean, you're just still a, you know, a big airline in a market with all kinds of opportunities where, you know, with some easy fixes, by the way, I mean, all Brazil has to do is say, oh, it's all it has to do. I don't mean to, you know, 
to minimize what it's going through. But, you know, just just relax the visa regime, you know, make it possible for Americans to travel there without a hassle. There's so much you can do in Brazil once they get through this crisis right now. You know, just a, a bigger market where you just don't have the, the regulatory environment that exists in sub-Saharan Africa, where it's just just, you know, it, it's it's kind of unimaginable that in the near term, Kenya Airways will be able to operate in any sort of a manner that it would look similar to how it would like to operate, you know, in a world with with uh, access to markets that it that it would have if it was on any other continent nearby markets, you know, goal has all that. But Brazil, it's it's, it's a boom bust uh, economy. And there aren't very many people who think that 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 this is going to end anytime soon you know uh this this uh, uh could be a very protracted situation and we'll see whether goal you know even being rather well-managed airline and and uh, the rest of it can can manage through this because um when you uh i mean if all you just start with the currency issue and that's far from the other one but when all of a sudden you know all your biggest costs you know your aircraft and your your fuel of course just skyrocket because of what happens to your local currency and that's before we even get into everything else that's going wrong in the market. Tough environment to navigate. All right, let's end the show on a high note. Let's talk about an airline that had a 19% operating margin in the fourth quarter and a 17% margin for the year. This is an airline that we've marveled at before on the show. I'm talking about Cebu Pacific. Yeah, well, I mentioned Forex there, Ford Exchange for a goal, really kind of the opposite situation in the Philippines, a place where you know the, the story has been rather good. And so... You know, so what happens? Well, then you get sort of the full benefit of falling fuel prices, you know, especially when you're not not too badly hedged. Uh, it's a market that's seen consolidation. Uh, you know, an airline who's, uh, you know, whose ancillaries, you know, to, just to name one thing, it's gone right, have, have uh, still been shooting up impressively. It's ancillary sales. You know, just, just uh, all around, things have been going uh, well there. And all of this in the face of, you know, a, a, a low-cost long-haul operation, which probably isn't, you know, leading the profits at the company, but, you know, must, must not be going too badly uh, because you know, when you put up numbers like uh, like the ones you mentioned, then you probably don't have anything, uh, anything going too awfully there. So, yeah, no, uh, definitely uh, one of one of the I was going to say rising stars. I mean, it's it's uh, now kind of established itself as a star. It's been doing well for uh, for some time now. So uh, they, they deserve a lot of credit for that. So with everything going right there, is it fair to say the low cost long haul effort isn't really being tested right now. Well, yeah, you know, sometimes a, a, a crisis is what forces airlines to make tougher choices. Um, so they haven't said. I, I'm sure if it was going very well, they probably would have, you know, would have noted that. But you know, you give some benefit out to an airline that obviously is, you know, is doing enough right that that it it, it also, uh, you know, just must not be uh, too terrible. And it's an airline that at this point is is, uh, you know, is is rather large so you know so that the small fleet of wide-body aircraft you know whether or not it's it's particularly helpful somehow they're putting up uh, some of the better numbers in the world also we have a correction to make to last week's show we were talking about israel's el al and said the airline isn't allowed to fly on the jewish sabbath that's actually not true. The airline is allowed to fly, but they choose not to. Yeah, uh, it, it used to be the case that they were barred by law for from flying on on uh, on the Sabbath on Shabbos, and and then when uh, the privatization began, you know, some of its shares float. Uh, that that changed. Uh, so so technically, they're allowed to fly. Um, there are units, leisure sun doors is a leisure unit where that that does operate. 
on that day. Uh, and El Al simply chooses not to. And you can only speculate that, you know, obviously there's a, a significant percentage of the Israeli population that applauds the idea of not flying then, you know, the, the uh, religious Orthodox community. And so uh, so that is a, a choice, uh, you know, albeit you know, perhaps one they, they, they feel compelled to make. But uh, but it's, it's not that they are legally prohibited technically uh, from flying that day. All right. We'll leave it right there. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Airline Weekly Lounge on iTunes or Stitcher. We'll see you back here next week. Until then, thanks for joining us. I'm thinking we should do a whole episode as a musical like Hamilton. <laughs> I don't see why not. I mean, that, that was that was pretty, pretty, pretty spectacular. Uh, mm-hmm. Stick to our day jobs.